Welcome to Senior Rx Radio, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Senior Rx Radio is brought to you by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the ASCP. ASCP is devoted to optimal medication management and improved health care outcomes for older adults. Learn more at our website, ASCP.com. Welcome to Senior Rx Radio, sponsored by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. And today I'm truly joined by a, a guy who needs no introduction whatsoever, Mr. Frank Grosso, Executive Director and CEO of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, a position he's held since 2014. Frank has been in long-term care pharmacy for 42 years. So Frank, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Um, it's uh, exciting, and I uh, look forward to our conversation. And likewise, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So, Frank, let's start with this. How did you get involved in senior care pharmacy, and what about it has made it something you're just, like, obviously passionate about and to make you want to continue in this particular sector for four-plus decades now? <laughs> My God, it goes way back to uh, the year that I graduated and started in a community pharmacy back in 1975. Um, and, uh, you know, consultant pharmacy was just beginning to take hold at that time. And I had the opportunity to work in a small community pharmacy in East Syracuse, New York, where I was able to start a consultant practice with the, uh, the owner of the pharmacy, um, and did my first two nursing homes and, and that started me off. And then from consulting, we began to do dispensing and, uh, I just love the interaction with the people. Um, I haven't done true consulting, one-on-one patient consulting in in many, many years and and wouldn't trust my clinical skills. But um, when I look back over things, it was one of the most enjoyable things I did in my early years as a pharmacist. So it got me going. Um, Those were pretty uh, tumultuous years where, you know, working in a nursing home wasn't exactly considered glamorous. And uh, there were a lot of challenges and people saying, well, why do you do that? Whoa, why would you just go and work in nursing homes? People never leave them. Um, and, I, and I just stuck with it with the people and the, the industry and watched it evolve to what it is today and have loved every minute of it. I think it's funny. I think and maybe you see this a lot from the membership and people you interact with, but it seems like people in long-term care pharmacy can pinpoint that time where it got really got started. I certainly can do that in my career. I look back to a six week period where I thought this is what I get to do. And this is the patients I get to interact with and they're going to pay me for this job. This sounds like a great thing. So it certainly, I think is, I don't, maybe it's not unique to long-term care pharmacists, but it feels like people really, once you get involved with it, are just you, you can't help but stay passionate about it. Yeah, it's um, it's a learning experience as, as a professional, but also in sociology, learning what the people did in their careers and, and how to enable them to be as productive as possible in their later years. Um, you know, nursing home environment has changed, but I remember when I first started, um, it would be after my full day of work in the retail store and going into the nursing home around 8.30 at night. And literally, while I was really reviewing charts, having coffee with patients who would, you know, greet me there each month when I went. And uh, it was, uh, that's what hooked me, was the patient contact. 
I think so too. I think the fact that we get to deal with these patients who are vulnerable, they're dealing with a lot of, you know, chronic illnesses, certainly a lot of medications there have all these complexities, but at the same time, they're have so much to give even at that point in, you know, their lives. And, you know, how do we find ways to enrich them? I think is just so important for, for a consultant pharmacist and pharmacy in general. Yeah. So, Frank, so and, and here we are. So, absolutely, absolutely, it's, it's a great place to be. So, Frank, maybe talk to us a little bit about what ASCP is, who they represent, and what they do for the, kind of the community of pharmacy. Well, I can explain it from my perspective. Growing up with the organization, I became a member in nineteen eighty. Was my first year as a member. And I think it's the best way to explain what ASCPE, ASCP does and is, is just, you know, through my experience. Um, it was the place where I went to find out what was new in the industry. It was the place that provided the venue for us to exchange ideas. Even if we were potential competitors, we exchanged ideas and the networking. And ASCP provided that opportunity. Um, and it also helped us carve out our place in the profession by identifying the unique things that a consultant pharmacist did that was, you know, separate and apart from the dispensing process, although some of it is done with the dispensing process, but in developing the education and the tools we need. Um, and uh, ASCP has been at home for pharmacists for 48 years um, of gathering like minds, interests, providing education, um, representing our services and the profession to regulatory agencies, government. Um, and I have to say, in today's world, it's probably never been more important, even though, you know, it was important in the early days to get recognized. Now it's even more important to stay recognized. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting because we talked about what it looked like when you started and, you know, I started the organization and being a member in 2005, but it, you know, it's funny, it, it, while it's, I'm sure it's evolved a lot, the values and why it's important to be involved, I think, is continue to be the same from, from my aspect. Um, if you're talking to somebody that's maybe not involved in an association or maybe in an organization who maybe doesn't push their employees or, or contracted employees into being a member. What do you say to them about why membership is important to an individual? It's, you can get a lot from social media today and you can, you can gain an incredible amount of um, information, camaraderie, like interest, but the piece that you get that's of most value in a membership like ASCP and interacting at a meeting is the opportunity for mentorship, both as someone who is new to the industry looking for one-on-one -on -one mentorship, someone who can provide some guidance as to, well, this is how you start your consultant business. And, you know, and it's the value for someone who's been in the business like myself to share one-on-one -on -one with people what they've done and, and how to avoid some of the pitfalls. And it's that personal network with like 
interests in the profession, because God knows our, our profession of pharmacy is diverse. Even within the consultant group, it's diverse and it's ever expanding. And, you know, an association allows us to have those things together to go beyond just communicating with one another, but to actually represent what we do to community, industry, and uh, government. And that's where I feel that, you know, association membership goes beyond social networking. You know, Frank, I think you spoke really well to it because as a member, those are the things that I, I see the benefit of being able to connect with people who, like you said, maybe they're competitors or maybe they're competitors from different states, but, you know, coming together to have that camaraderie and that kind of commiserate together, if you will, and, and discuss how we can make better is such a fantastic part of membership. So this kind of the elephant is you announced in November 4th that 2018 is going to be your last year at the helm of ASCP. What, what led to that decision? You know, um, it's been an interesting journey for me. Um, it's more about maybe um, a little less time behind the desk and more time um, with some, you know, with family and community, but also, um, running an organization is a 24-7 job, and um, I want to continue in, you know, capacity of being a volunteer in government affairs and so forth. By no means am I uh, retiring into the woodwork, and we'll probably look at other things to do, but I feel like it's time um, to maybe spread out a little bit more and not have the day-to-day -day responsibilities of running the organization. I can certainly understand just, you know, watching you and all the different meetings you're in and, you know, it's, it's you know, we'll interact, but I can imagine what your plate has to look like on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, can you kind of update us where we're at with the new director and, and finding some of that new, that new Frank, if you will? Sure. Sure. We, um, after the annual meeting, um, a search committee was formed with the board um, and board representation, past leadership representation from the Council of Presidents, member representation. And um, we received, I believe, over 60 applications for the position. So there was a lot of interest in this position. And I'm happy to say that uh, the, the search committee has done an outstanding job and narrowed it down to several candidates that are highly qualified and that I look forward to working with whoever the successor may be. And uh, we hope to have that uh, nailed down in, in a transition plan between now and the uh, forum in May. Oh, fantastic. So coming right up here, that's what's wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. So Frank, four decades here in long-term care, if you kind of take this moment in time, if you're to look at it, where, and I think senior care pharmacy is also really closely linked to the post-acute care industry as a whole. So maybe speak to what's our current state of, of the industry, if you will. You know, where are we at right now? Wow, where are we at right now? Um, my personal opinion or we're at the threshold of moving beyond anything we've ever done in the past in the way of patient interaction and opportunities for pharmacists. Um, 
you know, when we started as a organization, you know, it was predominantly pharmacy owners and operators and we all did consulting too, just the way I started. And at that point in time, a nursing home, skilled nursing facility was a destination, not a stop. And today, the nursing homes, the skilled nursing facilities are becoming a stop for seniors where they can, you know, in that post-acute care continuum. And for the pharmacist to be involved in that crucial stop, being able to work with those patients and follow those patients beyond and working in a patient-centered model, um, the consultant pharmacist is positioned in the most opportune spot. Because if you think about it, at every transition of care practically, there's a need for a medication change, a refill, uh, an addition or whatever. And, and we touch those patients at virtually every intersection of care. And that's just a tremendous opportunity. And the skill sets that the, the new graduates coming from pharmacy school have to really engage in the clinical care of those patients and the appropriate use of medications, I think is, is absolutely incredible and, and, and an opportunity that I wish I was 20 years younger. I think we do live in an opportunity is a great word to use because I do think we live in this kind of incredible time where we have the resources and skills to take care of these patients and really enhance what we do in our profession as well. I was reading over some of the uh, American Healthcare Association's goals, um, mm-hmm. and I think for around this time, and three out of the four of them, to me, really speak to medications. Um, one of them is reduced 30-day rate hospitalizations by 15%. And the other one is improve discharge back to the community by 10% or maintain a discharge rate of at least 70%. And the fourth one is something we've been working on for a while is reduce off-label use of antipsychotic drugs. So the fact that we can be involved in so much of what these patients go through, as you're right, as a stop at these long-term, these rehabilitation stops, you know, we have an opportunity to really grab a hold and take care of these patients at that point. We do, and if you if you look at the statistics, you know those goals that AHCA set uh, roughly four years ago. Um, we're at that point of discharging seven out of every ten admissions to home. Approximately 1.2 million patients go home from the nursing home each year, and that is a huge difference compared to what the status was 42 years ago when I started. And I think there's such an opportunity within that, too, because that, those you know, over 1 million people that go home every year mean I always look at long-term care. I think there's maybe a stigmatism that it's not a place for, you know, that short, short-term or patient care to occur. But in my mind, it really looks like we have the best opportunity because our patients are fed, take their medications, we have all their vitals, we have all these wonderful licensed nurses in, in the facilities that we can make their medications what they need to be. So when they go home, they leave that, that place of, of rehabilitation that when they go home, they have a great opportunity to not come back or when they do come back, you know, it's, it's going to be because we had an opportunity to make it better along the way and it might've extended their stay out. So I, I love the opportunity in the place we're at right now. How do we, I think we're at, we're, we're at a turning point and it's similar to, hospitals back in the mid 80s um, 
you know, back in the mid eighties, hospitals went from fee for service to DRGs and length of stay in the hospitals declined. There was a decline in the number of hospitals nationally and a spike in outpatient services, which we still see today, outpatient services versus hospital. Why? Because it's better for the patient. It's lower cost. And, you know, it continues to be there. We're at that same point in the 1980s when the hospitals went from fee for service to the DRG, an episodic payment for services. That's what's happening with value-based reimbursement in the nursing home today. We're at that turning point in the nursing home where um, I believe it will be more profitable for the nursing home industry to successfully discharge that patient home in the fewest number of inpatient days as possible compared to the traditional where we looked every Monday morning as to, well, what was the census over the weekend? How many patients did we have in the building? Um, to how many patients did we successfully discharge home and how many patients successfully stayed home for the next 90 days? So I, I really think that's the opportunity for consultant pharmacists is to be part of that transition, not lose the patient when they leave the nursing home door. I think you're absolutely right. So how do senior care pharmacy or senior care pharmacists prepare for that kind of change? Is there something we could do now? What do we do now? We, we, we stay visible. We need to measure what we do and how we create value in the system. Um, you know, we, we don't write the order, but we can help the physicians and the nurse practitioners to choose the right medication and be able to show that, that we consistently do that. One of the challenges is, is that the, as a profession, we, we do these things, we measure them individually with studies, but we don't have a true scalable process, a standard industry-wide where all of the interventions, all of the successes that we um, experience can be recorded in a standard data set so that it can be measured against all the other standard data sets in the industry and measures of patient outcome. That's our challenge. How do we continue to do what we do but get better at measuring it and measuring it in a set or a metric that is consistent with other healthcare providers. We can't operate in a silo. We have to be part of that national data set. I, I couldn't agree more. That's that's fantastic. One of the things and, that and, I, you know you asked about you asked about the society and in why you need to be a member. Um, supporting ASCP, we've been a member of the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative. We were one of the founding members of the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative. And supporting ASCP and our involvement in those activities to be part of things like the development of the e-care plan, which and, and SNOMED CT codes, which you know to many of us mean, well, what? But what it really is is taking what we do and putting it in an international language so that no matter who looks at what we do, it's interpreted the same way. And, and supporting ASCP, being a member of ASCP, volunteering for those kinds of committees, our long-term care HIT collaborative, that's where we can make a difference. 
that's where we can continue to keep the focus on the consultant pharmacist role in that continuum of care. One, I know one of the things coming up here at ACP is the ACP Forum um, recently announced the whole schedule, but May 17th and 18th in Arlington, Virginia. Tell us a little bit about the forum, Frank. Um, who, who should go? What's discussed there? The forum is what I, I like to refer to as, you know, discussions on clinical operations. It's not, you know, it's not a focus on disease state management or a, a disease in particular that we're going to focus on or a, a clinical challenge. It's more about, okay, where do we fit in the industry? How do statistics work? Um, what is CMS doing to create an environment where we can deliver our, our services? Um, Dr. Paul McGann is going to speak and he's going to talk about, you know, how the pharmacists fit, where the value is, where we've got Stephen Littlehill in that program who um, is, I believe, you know, one of the founders of PointRight, which measures, you know, the um, data points needed by the nursing home operators to establish their quality to their discharge um, referral sources. So it's in, in Mark Parkinson, the CEO of uh, AHCA, is going to be speaker to talk about, you know, what's going on in their industry. I think there's two takeaways from the forum that I try to achieve in, in every one that I've done is, one, understand the customer's needs from both a clinical and an operation standpoint, how they're measured, how their business works, and then how do we adapt to it? What tools do we have? Um, we're trying to get as many technology companies as possible to attend the meeting as exhibitors because it's those technology companies that help us to deliver the services. So it's a uh, it complements a lot of the clinical work that we do um, and education and uh, is the opportunity to figure out the how. Looking through the, and I encourage everybody to go on and look at the ASCP forum and looking at um, the schedule, but just chocked full of great people who I can imagine are giving this great insight. And I kind of look at forum when I go to it as it kind of gets my industry slash business juices flowing, if you will. And I, it's just, it always invigorates me when I come back about what opportunity exists and how do we connect the dots with our organization. And I, I find that just great for those kind of, as opposed to annual meeting, my clinical juices might get going more there, but just mm -hmm. like it's going to be. It's kind of like, how do we take that clinical knowledge that we have and how do we operationalize it? How do we get it to as many people as we possibly can and be recognized for it. It's, it's how we grow our industry and, and the profession. We need both. They're equal, not one superior to the other. They're equal, the clinical operations and the clinical knowledge. Couldn't have been more better said than that, Frank. So coming to the end, Frank, is there anything else you want to leave us with? And I, I just, I really appreciate that. Whenever I get the chance to listen to you, whether it's large group or small group, I, I think I'm probably with a lot of other people who just think, wow, listen to you speak and kind of your, your insight into this and where we're even going is, is, is truly tremendous. So thank you. You know, I, I just, um, to get the message out that, you know, we have an opportunity, our, our probably, I believe sincerely the greatest opportunity in my entire career exists right now. 
um, for those coming in and already engaged in the profession. As we see, you know, seniors, the population of patients over 80 is going to explode. And you know what? I'm part of that baby boomer group and I'm not ready to retire. I'm ready to just use my knowledge and my information that I've learned over my 42 years to continue to contribute. And we need pharmacists. I'm, I'm lucky I take one medication. But think about what we can do for all those seniors out there on multiple medications to enable them to enjoy that ability to continue to be active as long as possible. It's an amazing opportunity professionally. And uh, I wish the organization and the profession as much luck as I possibly can. And hopefully we'll stay active as a volunteer because I, I can't do nothing. <laughs> well, I think I speak for many of us, Frank, that we look forward to, even though you're not going to be you know, leading the organization, certainly your insight and leadership is going to continue well past um, whatever your next step is. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And uh, maybe I'll have another opportunity in the future and uh, talk about my retirement years at some point. Absolutely. We'll hold, we have it run recording now, so we're going to hold you to that. So okay. <laughs> thanks a lot. Okay. Thank this you very is, much. This has been CRX Radio, sponsored by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. Thanks for listening to Senior RX Radio. Be sure to share this podcast with your fellow consultant pharmacists and pharmacy associates to learn more about better outcomes for older adult patients. Join us on the web at ASCP.com.